All right, seven yeses. So yeah, week six of a series we're in called The Seven Yeses. I have so enjoyed sitting and listening and learning to this series, all prompted by a book called The Seven Primal Questions. So, you know, kind of identifying and answering this emotional need, and we all have one, and most of us have identified kind of an apex one that's kind of the one we ask the most, but I think we can most of us relate to all of them. And so this week, I was in a text string with some of my closest friends. And we're all kind of figuring out and identifying the, the question that we ask the most. And what was funny to me was as we're saying in the text string which one is our question, it was, uh, you know, kind of came along with this disclaimer of like, I just feel like all the ooh every time I have to say it out loud. Or I kind of want to throw up when I have to say this. And um, one of the women, after all of us had admitted which question is ours, came back with this beautiful, individualized yes to each of us. Carissa, you are successful. You are this. You are that. And here's why. And so one of the things I think I'm learning is, yes, God answers yes to all of our questions, but part of loving one another well and being in community is learning how to answer one another's questions with a yes. And I got to be on the receiving end of that this week. It was really, really powerful. That was very cool. And I'm hearing stories like that all over the place, family conversations around the seven yeses, because these really hit where we live on an emotional level, on a values level, yeah. on, a mo- on, a, on a motivational level. Yeah. And so when we can uh, be honest with each other about which of these questions really resonates with us, then have some good affirming conversations about that. You did this with our, our staff team, our ministry staff team. Each of us did a similar test or this test, and we were all able to share. This is where we kind of live, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody else, like you said, was able to pour in positive affirmation into our lives. This is how God has wired you, and this is how you're impacting the world around you in, in such beautiful ways. Mm-hmm. So seven yeses, not seven maybes, not seven no's, seven yeses. So yep. a little test. We do this test every single week, and some of you are great. Uh, some of you need a little more confidence, so you got to answer these questions with gusto, right? Week one, am I safe? The answer is yes. yes. Am I secure? Yes. Am I loved? Yes. Am I wanted? Yes. Am I successful? Yes. Am I good enough? Yes. What? Not yet. We haven't got the answer yet. Oh, sorry. Yet. I did it wrong. You did wrong. <laughs> Do better. I'll try. I'm going to try. Irony, irony uh, intended. All right. Am I good enough? That is the question today, and we are Mm -hmm. so looking forward to the journey. Yeah, so here's the thing. I listened to the author of the book uh, on a podcast yesterday, and he talked about from 5,000 people that have taken this assessment, the highest percentage of people, this question, am I good enough, is their question. And so many of you who are here in person or online, this is your question. But if it's not your question, I think you can probably relate to, we ask this question. We feel the weight of this question, am I good enough? But if this is your question, you folks are value-making machines. You are zeroing in on and focusing on ways that you can add value to the people and the projects and the organizations and the places around you you often may find that you are fixated on being good. Now, where that can get a little sticky is good, depending on how you define it, can be very subjective. And depending on who you ask to define good can be really sticky. Um, These folks also experience a loud inner critic. So most of us are familiar with kind of a critical, judgmental, kind of not very kind voice in our minds. If this is your apex question, your inner critic may be louder and meaner and more relentless. Uh, You also may identify with this question if 
you are really focused on, I want to be a blessing to the people around me. I want to give and I want to do and I want to add value. But you find it hard to be vulnerable, to ask for help. You don't want to be a burden to the people around you. Yes, no, so that's kind of the profile of people who are motivated towards this question. But also know, as is true with every one of these questions, is you add a unique, mm -hmm. wonderful treasure to the world around you. You are an amazing gift to the people around you. As Chris has said, you add value to everyone around you. Because you might feel a little bit insecure about whether you're good enough, you wanna make sure that others don't feel similarly insecure. So you tend to be an encourager. You may not say a lot because you're a little bit afraid of not being good enough in what you say, mm -hmm. but when you speak, it's usually words of encouragement. You might also be a great listener mm -hmm. because again, you're not necessarily the most out front, most verbal because of some of those insecurities, but you have a, a tender heart and you listen and active listening, not just yeah, 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 but truly listening to not just the words, but the heart of the person who is speaking to you. You tend to be a hard worker. Again, some of this could be motivated by some insecurity. You want to prove that you're good enough or prove your value. But even if you walk a journey of grace and you walk a journey that you're going to lead us through today of really knowing that you are good enough in the eyes of God and letting the world around you that loves you also tell you that you're good enough, a huge confidence starts to emerge from you where from that newfound confidence, you're still pouring good things into people's lives, not based on insecurity, but based on confidence. Mm -hmm. You're still working hard, not to prove something to the world around you, but because that's just how God has uniquely wired you. So it really is a wonderful thing. Uh, you might have grown up with some pressure to be good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, this is particularly true of hyper-religious upbringings. Mm -hmm. For people who grew up in a hyper-religious background, you were always told, you're not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. You're sinful, you're far from God. This is the, just the drumbeat that Evan talked about earlier, Jenna talked about, and that we sang into. Uh, to get to a point of grace awakening where you can hear loudly from God, you're good enough, I love you, I'm proud of you, and nothing can change you, not, nothing can change that. A confidence pours out of you and you can be the most gracious person on earth because you know what it's, it feels like to not feel good enough. And then when you hear the voice of God, you are, and you hear the friends and family around you say you are, you can be the most gracious person on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful gift. Yeah. Now, when we doubt the yes to our question, when we feel like we're not getting a yes to our question, the author writes about how we move into something called a scramble, which I can absolutely relate to, which is where we start to uh, lean into things that cause us to grasp for a yes to our question. And so a scramble for someone with this question can look like perfectionism. So making sure all the time that everything has to be done absolutely perfect, not just for you, but around you. Uh, it also can look like people pleasing. So uh, making sure that um, like, the, to answer the yes to this question, everybody around me has to be happy with me and everybody around me has to be good with me. And, and that, um, that's a tough scramble. It can be tough. So you're gonna lead us through some pieces of the life and ministry of Jesus to get the same yes that God gave to Jesus yeah. to us. Yeah. That's a pretty cool journey. Yeah. So lead us on. I'm excited. Okay, so here's the thing. This week, I got a really loud internal no to this question. This is not my apex question. My apex question was last week. It's, am I successful? And every time I admit that publicly, I just am like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I just had to get it out of the way at the beginning. That's my question. But this question, am I good enough, is one that I absolutely find myself wondering and asking, especially if I'm getting a maybe or a no to the am I successful question. So a couple weeks ago, 
very loud, internal no to the question of am I good enough. So our family had gathered one evening and somebody had gifted us with some discussion cards that sometimes we'll pull out at different times as a family. It just prompts questions and discussion. And um, before you think that this happens uh, lovely every time, uh, most often it winds up with one kid hitting another kid with a pool noodle and another kid running upstairs screaming and we just kind of give up before everyone has answered the question. This was an anomaly. And so we're seated together and my husband Ryan pulls out a discussion card and the discussion card is share about a time that you got in trouble at school. And automatically, my brain remembers something that I did in the third grade. And before the memory is vivid in my imagination, I'm flooded with this feeling of shame and embarrassment. I had never told my family this story. And I knew immediately that I did not want to tell my children what I did wrong in the third grade. And so I'm not listening that they're sharing anymore. I'm trying to figure out if I'm not going to tell them that story, what story am I going to tell them, but I can't lie. So I tell them a different story, true story, but a different story. And I'm processing this later because I'm learning that when I feel this need to hide or to uh, avoid vulnerability or to keep something in the dark, that that's important for me and God to pay attention to. Now, I have three kids. I have two in middle school, and I have one in elementary school. And as I was trying to process through, like, why would I not tell them this thing? It's not that big of a deal. I'm going to tell all of you in just a moment. Um, I realized that my older two kids, I was afraid that they would judge me or think differently of me as their mom. My younger kiddo, I was afraid they would follow in my footsteps. If you have more than one kid, you, you might understand how those dynamics can be different. And so I knew, like, I got to tell people this story. Um, but here's what happened. In third grade, I cheated. We were doing multiplications, and we were on the week. It was threes, like three times nine and three times four. And I didn't know the multiplication tables, and I need to be successful at all times, evidently, because that's my primal question. So I wrote all of them down on a piece of paper, and I sat on the piece of paper, and during the test, I was looking at the piece of paper, and I got caught. <laughs> now, I know this is one of those moments that Evan talked about a little while ago where the pastor is talking about something they did wrong, and you're like, seriously? You're talking about cheating in the third grade? Like, okay, there are regrets and mistakes and wounds from my life that I have also wanted to keep hidden, that I have been very tempted to keep hidden, um, that I have chosen with a lot of uh, courage to share in safe places, sometimes with uh, my small group, sometimes with uh, family and friends, and sometimes even with a therapist. Uh, but that's not, that's not for today. The reason I share this story with you is that sometimes, oftentimes, we struggle to find a yes to this question because of the little things in our lives. This, this loud voice in our head criticizes and judges and condemns even the little things. Like in that moment, I, didn't, I wasn't recognizing like I cheated in third grade. The voice in my head was loudly saying, you're a cheater, don't tell your kids you're a cheater. That's not true. And so learning to understand that learning to notice that, that even the little things, the seemingly insignificant things can pop up 
like this and cause us to scramble, cause us to withdraw from people, to hide from people. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I wonder if you've ever experienced this before. And so today we're going to practice shifting our attention away from that internal voice, away from that loud, critical, relentless, shaming voice that says, you are not good enough. You are fill in the blank. And focusing our attention on the voice of God in our lives that answers this question with a big, bold, underlined yes with more exclamation points at the end than you have time to text. How do we shift our voice from that internal voice to God's voice in our life? Well, today I want us to look at the life of Jesus. He is our model, and we see God speak a big yes over the life and the ministry of Jesus at his baptism. And his baptism is written about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's important and it's a pivotal, pivotal, I've had struggled with that word all day today, a pivotal moment in the life of Jesus. And so here we are, we're in Matthew chapter 3. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is the voice of God over Jesus. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Uh, in another translation, Eugene Peterson says, uh, you are chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. You are the pride of my life, and you'll bring me great joy. I mean, can you even think that? or say it without smiling, like you just light up from the inside out. Now, I, I dug a little deeper into the original language this week because sometimes the richness of what's being communicated gets lost when it's translated into English. And that word love or beloved literally means worthy of my love. God is saying to Jesus in this moment, you, my beloved, son, are worthy of my love. And so as we ask the question today, am I worthy? This is an important place for us to look to. Uh, the word well-pleased literally can mean think of as good. God's thinking of Jesus as good. It means to choose, to choose, to publicly and formally approve. This is what's happening in this moment at the baptism. It could have been something that Jesus just kept to himself. It could have been a private moment. Publicly, formally approving. So why am I so excited about this? I am very excited about this. This is something I have no idea where I read it or heard it or thought it. Uh, but a couple of years ago, um, I realized like this is really important for two reasons. And I want to share those with you today. The first is this moment, God saying, Jesus, you are worthy of my love. I choose you. I formally and publicly approve of you. This happens before Jesus does anything in his ministry. 
This happens before Jesus recruits a follower. This happens before Jesus preaches a sermon. This happens before Jesus performs a miracle or heals a person or gives his life for us or is risen from the grave. This happens at the very beginning of his public ministry. This is God saying to Jesus, I choose you, I love you, you are worthy because of who you are. Before you do anything. The second reason that I'm excited about this is because these are God's words to Jesus and they're God's words to us. They're God's words to you. They're God's words to me. They're God's words to us. Now, I know that that's really hard to trust and really hard to believe. I know that you may be thinking, okay, Carissa, that's just kind of like, it's a a really nice idea. But, But how can you go from these are God's words to Jesus, the Son of God who came and lived a blameless life, how, how do you jump from those are God's words to Jesus to those are God's words to you and God's words to me and God's words to us? I know this is important. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to build a theological foundation for this because this is not a Carissa idea. This is not something that I thought of and thought was a, a really great idea and so now I'm going to share it. Um, we're going to take this back to the very beginning of Christian theology. You see, the Apostle Paul uses a phrase in the New Testament more than any other phrase. It's in Christ. So when he's writing, he'll talk about us being in Christ or united with Christ or Christ in us. He uses it 167 times in the New Testament. That phrase is really important to our understanding of how God sees us. So let's talk about it for just a minute. In Christ, in a nutshell, what it means is it describes our common identity, the truth and guarantee of who God says we are. When Paul writes, we are in Christ, it is our common identity. The truth of who God says we are, the guarantee of who God says we are. Let's look at a couple places where Paul uses this phrase. As we're building this foundation, he says, Colossians, the mystery This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. Okay, everyone. No exclusions. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter how many of the boxes you've checked for what it looks like to believe or follow or do all of the right things, the Apostle Paul is just starting out from the very beginning. Guess what? Everybody gets in on this. The mystery, he goes on to say, in a nutshell is this. Christ is in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. Now, that word glory is kind of a churchy word that we only really ever use in church, but I think it's important for us to understand what he's talking about here. Glory is our dignity. It's our honor. It's the estimation of our value. We have all of that as an assurance because we are in Christ. The same dignity, the same honor, the same estimation of value that God's voice speaks over Jesus is assured to us. And then in Ephesians, 
He writes, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. A blessing is just when we see something and we say it. God's voice, God's words to Jesus were a blessing. And Paul is saying, you are united with Christ. You are in Christ. And that means God's blessing over Jesus is God's blessing over you. It is part of your inheritance as a child of God. God's words to Jesus are God's words to you. So I want us to read it again with that foundation under our feet. Now, this is Carissa's translation. This is me looking at the richness of these words and not wanting to leave anything out. So a lot of times our translators will kind of make it more succinct because it's a lot to fit into one book. But I wanted us to have the fullness of this together today. And so this is the voice of God over Jesus and over you and over me and over us. You are my child and I love you. You are worthy of my love. I choose you. I formally and publicly approve of you. I am pleased with you. That is the voice of God over our lives. Not the internal, critical, judgmental voice that we hear, not the external voices of others that sometimes we also hear. That is the truth that we hear from the voice of God. And we have access to that. We can trust in that. We can believe in that because we are in Christ. Now, some of you, I think, might be thinking right now, like, Krista, that sounds nice. But uh, you cheated in third grade. You don't know what I did. You, you don't know my story. You don't know where I came from. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the stuff that I carry. And you're right. I don't know your story. I can tell you that I have my own stuff. Just this week, I came face to face again with one of the biggest regrets I have in my life. And I had to reach out and get some help navigating how to work through that. Here's the good news. If you're feeling that with me today, Colossians, in Christ, you are perfect and blameless. In Christ, you are perfect and blameless. Doesn't matter where you came from or what you've done or what you will do in Christ. You are perfect and blameless. You are good enough. And then Paul in Colossians 3 says, there are no exceptions. So if you're here and you're going, okay, but yeah, not me. Like that's good for all of y'all, but not, not for me, not for this thing, not for this moment. The apostle Paul says, there are no exceptions. Christ is all and is in all. Now, I don't want us to only trust this in our head. I want us to also feel this in our hearts and I want it to work into our bones and into our guts and into our bodies and I want it to overflow into our relationships. And so, so how do we take this, this idea, this truth, this thing that we're thinking and we're reading and how do we work it into our lives? Well, I have three 
ideas or suggestions for us today. The first one comes directly from Jesus. So when he finishes his baptism, the scriptures tell us he immediately goes into the desert where he's tempted. And most theologians, I'm having some trouble with my words today. Most theologians will categorize those three temptations in a similar way. He was tempted to grasp for power, to grasp for possessions, and to grasp for popularity. Sounds a little bit like our scramble, doesn't it? Just shapes up a little bit differently depending on who we are. And we know from the scripture that Jesus resisted all three of those. And he spoke truth back in that moment. He had a foundation, an identity, and so he didn't need to lean into that scramble. And then he comes out of the desert, and the first thing that all three of the Gospels have Jesus doing is preaching, repent. Now, some of you, I just made you feel nauseous by using that word. And it's okay that you feel that way because you have this picture of um, a red-faced, angry, mean preacher probably spitting and spewing and yelling and angry. Like that's kind of the the mental picture that a lot of us have when we hear that word repent. Uh, Steve did a great job a few weeks ago of helping us to maybe uh, think of that word a little bit differently, which is important because that's not what Jesus meant with that word. What that word means is change the way that you're thinking. Would you change your mind is what this word repent is meaning. Would you change the way that you're thinking about God and the way that you think God thinks about you? Would you change the way that maybe you are perceiving how God thinks of you? Let's change our mind. Now, We talked about third grade. Let's fast forward a little bit to one of the times in my life where this question was answered with a really loud no in a way that continues to have some more impact in my life today than I would like to acknowledge sometimes. So um, I got called into my boss's office several years ago and boss says to me, hey, I see a lot of potential in you. I think you can do great things. And I think you could be promoted to this position in a couple of years. Now, I had never in a million years set my sights on what they were talking about. They could have told me I was going to win the lottery, and I would have been like, this is how crazy this was. But I listened, and they laid out a plan for me. Here are the measurable goals you need to attain. Here are the things that you need to do, and I will help, and we'll mentor, and we'll figure this out, and we'll do it together. And you just work really hard, and, and this, is, this is gonna be, this is gonna be it. And um, I did all the things. Or at least I thought I did. I worked really hard. And I thought I was checking all the boxes, and I was, adjusting and changing and, and doing and figuring out all the things. It, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, am I successful? And so I was working really hard to be successful. And about two years later, a boss calls me into their office and sits me down and says, you've done a really good job. But it's not good enough. And so this isn't going to happen the way that we thought that it would. Now, the boss is not the villain in the story. Just like your 
coach or your teacher or your parent or your pastor or your boss, um, whatever that external voice is that's in your mind right now, um, they're not the villain in the story either. But what that voice did was it caused me to question my worth and my value and my identity. And I began to scramble. And to this day, I still have moments where I find myself scrambling. Uh, this was a powerful voice in my life. And they, this wasn't intentional. It wasn't mean. It was just a reality. Sometimes we don't get the thing. Sometimes we don't get the trophy. Sometimes we're not the best. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to ask for help. What we want to do when we begin to notice that we're listening to a voice that is not the voice of God over our life, answering this question is we want to repent. We want to change our thinking. We want to change our mind. And so even all of these years later, I have these moments where I will hear that person's voice in my mind. And I have to change my thinking. And I have to go back to who God says I am. And so I wonder today, are there other voices that you sometimes find yourself listening to and they're answering this question differently than the voice of God? A second thing that I would suggest today, uh, when you find yourself scrambling, reach out. We need one another. Reading the scriptures, singing the songs, praying, talking to God, listening to God, all of that is so important, but there are moments when we just need people to be Christ to us with skin on. We need a small group of people that can bear our vulnerabilities and our mistakes and our fears and our insecurities and can speak truth and affirmation and love and encouragement over us. We need a real person, maybe a therapist or a pastor or a mentor who can hear some of our biggest mistakes and our biggest regrets and can go, okay, I see that, that, was, a, that was big, but you're still lovable and you're still good and God still says you're worthy and so let's, let's go. Let's walk a journey together towards healing and wholeness. So maybe this week you reach out and you share your story or your idea, or your dream, or your opinion, or the thing that you've been hiding because you don't feel like it's good enough, you share it with someone who's earned the right to hear your story. Maybe you join a group. If you're not in a group, why not? It's not too late. Somebody told you it was too late, tell them they're wrong. Carissa said so. Reach out. And then lastly, we, we've gotta remember. This is a big truth. Many of you have not, um, this isn't the first time you're hearing it. We are forgetful people. Have you noticed that? There was a week in December where in the same week, I forgot my purse at a friend's house in San Marcos. I forgot my keys here at church for an entire week. And I forgot to pick a kid up early from school. We are forgetful people. And so this big truth that God says, yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are chosen. Yes, you are good enough. Yes, you are loved. We forget there are other voices, there are other things, there are other circumstances, they get loud. And so we gather together here on Sundays, in person and online, we gather in groups. We gather together to remember. It's part of the reason why we read the scriptures, why we learn from one another, why we sing songs, why we take communion, why we celebrate baptism. It's so that we can remind ourselves and remind one another of this great truth 
that we want to build our lives upon. And so today, we're going to finish our time together by reminding one another of this great truth. Before we do that, I have one more thing that I want to tell you. As I try to think through, like, what might, what might people be thinking or wondering or questioning, um, this week I thought, maybe there's somebody here who goes, okay, Carissa, that's great, but um, when do I get my act together? Like, it's great that I'm worthy of love and worthy of belonging and God chooses me and all that's good, but, like, when do you tell people to get their act together? I want you to know that I hear you. This is my very humble opinion based off of uh, study and learning, but also my own experience and being able to walk this journey out with people. When we integrate this truth of God's unconditional love and acceptance and grace into our life, when we build our life on that, all of a sudden we find that we are loving our neighbors and loving our enemies and loving ourselves in ways that we were not able to do so before. The Spirit of God in us, Christ in us, begins to help us work through some of the things that need to be addressed. This comes first. This is the live free, that's the do good part that you hear us talking about. And so what we're going to do now, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to remind one another of these truths. So you're going to stand with me. We're all going to get a little bit uncomfortable together, but that's okay because I'm uncomfortable with you. Because we gather to remember, to remind ourselves and to remind one another. So maybe you don't need the reminder, but I need the reminder sometimes. And so what's going to happen is the truths of the scriptures that we've read through today are going to be on the screen. This is going to be like a giant affirmation together. So I need to hear you, and I need you to be loud, and I need you to be with me. We're going to remind one another and remind ourselves of this truth, and then we're going to sing it together. Are you with me? Yes? yes? Okay. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. I'm coming down with you because I need the reminder sometimes too. Okay. So here we go. I need to hear you over my microphone. Here we go. I am loved. You are loved. We are loved. I am good. You are good. We are good. I am chosen, you are chosen, we are chosen. God enjoys me, God enjoys you, God enjoys us. God sees me as perfect, God sees you as perfect, God sees us as perfect. God is proud of me, God is proud of you, God is proud of us. I am in Christ, you are in Christ, we are in Christ. Christ is in me, Christ is in you, Christ is in us. Okay, can we just like celebrate that? I mean, that is just like, that is the best, yes. But we forget. And so one of the reasons why we gather and we do this on Sundays in person and online, I hope you did that with us at home online, we need to remember. And one of the reasons we sing yes, is to remind is to remember. There is actually a, a Carrie Job song. I sing out and remind my soul that I am yours. And uh, I am forever. It's, it's a beautiful song, but it's because we need to. And we do sing these songs to remind ourselves of the truths that are in them, the truths that we're declaring. Uh, remind ourselves who God is, but also to have and to have a good time. Like this song, we're about to sing a song right now of just a celebration. Everything that we've just taken in, to celebrate that. I am not. 
knows my name. Mm -hmm. And I need to be reminded that God knows me. God knows who I am. Yeah. So we're going to celebrate. Is that good? Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, if you guys know this song, let's celebrate together. Come on, put your hands together. Three. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. 